Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the State of California. Good afternoon. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS political reporter and host of the State of California along with Patty Rising and Brett Burkhart. The teacher strike continues in Oakland for a third day, largely because of some union demands that have left many parents puzzled. The labor dispute is hung up over what are called common good provisions, even though the two sides are close to an agreement on financial issues. For many in the Bay Area, the idea that a teacher's union would disrupt kids' education because of concerns about reparations, homelessness, and climate change doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Are these really things that belong in a collective bargaining agreement? What power does a school district strapped for cash have to tackle them? Is it fair to kids and their parents to shut down the school year over larger social issues? Well, it may seem like a novel concept, but it is actually one that is gaining traction in labor negotiations across the country, and now it's front and center in the Oakland strike. For more on this, we're joined live today on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by Dr. Joseph McCartan, a professor of history at Georgetown University, He's the founding executive director of the Kalmanovitz Initiative for Labor and the Working Poor. He's an expert on the intersection of labor organization and public policy. Thank you so much for being with us. All right, so could you explain what exactly is meant by common good contract proposals and and where does this come from? Well, thank you for having me on. Um, This is a trend that I would say about 10 years old now, dates back well to 2011 and 2012, I would say, to efforts by teachers in Chicago and St. Paul to raise issues that were not traditionally part of uh, collective bargaining, but but could be seen as part of the broader working conditions that teachers work under. And and they are issues that um, teachers unions have come to define as common good issues, in part because they are they are advancing these things in alliance with community members um, around the concept that just as teachers' working conditions are students' learning conditions, the conditions that students bring with them into the classroom are also teachers' working conditions. And so to address things like homelessness uh, actually is a a very important thing if you want to have an effectively functioning classroom. Kids who are arriving with housing insecurity are really in a poor position to be able to learn. And so lots of teachers unions around the country, Chicago, St. Paul, Los Angeles, and others have included these kinds of demands and and won these kinds of things in in negotiations, which have, uh, I think, in all these cases, um, significantly improved school functioning. You know, those common good items also cost money. So I know you mentioned that they were successful in the past, but do they also take away from the potential pay demand for teachers? Well, I think at this point, um, it looks like the pay demands have largely been met in Oakland. And that's similar to what happened in Los Angeles in 2019. The teachers went on strike there for a week. 
they didn't uh, achieve one more penny in wages and working conditions. That wasn't their aim. They wanted to deal with some of these larger structural issues that they felt were so important if they wanted well-functioning schools. And so it might well be the case in Oakland that um, they're no longer really arguing about uh, wages. I can't speak for the union. I'm not advising them or anything. I'm just watching this uh, through the news. But it could be that that now what the, what the teachers are fighting for are these other broader demands. Is this something that just happens in teacher union negotiations, or is it spreading to other sectors like transit workers or public employees? Great question. It is spreading to other um, public um, um, sector um, workers. Uh, in fact, about six years ago in Los Angeles, there was a campaign by municipal workers called Fix LA. One of the things that uh, they did in that negotiation is they called attention to the fact that Los Angeles was actually spending more and paying fees to the Wall Street firms that marketed LA's municipal bonds than it was spending maintaining the streets of Los Angeles, surprisingly enough, and calling for some real um, looking hard at how the city related to its bankers and to to the uh, financial interests of the city. And so that was an untraditional kind of demand. Um, And these kinds of things are are cropping up more and more outside of um, um, teacher negotiations. So I would say that teachers have led the way. So you said that in a number of cities, they have won these concessions and that they're working. How are we able to measure the impact of the common good measures as they get implemented? Well, I think, you know, that that is a question. One thing I think we can say for sure is that our school systems uh, won't turn around overnight. Um, However, doing the kind of things that are being, I think, demanded in this particular negotiation, I think are crucial to the future of our schools, like, um, you know, dealing with the 1,500 homeless students that are now part of the uh, Oakland School District. Um, If we're going to fix our schools, we've got to do that. Yes, we need to have metrics uh, as we go forward, but it seems to me that job number one is dealing with some of these really fundamental issues. What about the argument that this kind of thing is beyond the purview of a school district? I mean, look at reparations, right? We just had on Saturday the board looking into reparations in California passed it, and now some of that goes to to lawmakers. So it may not be in the purview of a school district, but they may not have the resources to address something like that. That could be the case. Um, However, raising issues of structural inequality, if we're really going to fix our schools, we have to address some of the ways in which they simply replicate existing inequalities. And I think the teachers are trying to put that on the table. Um, A lot of this stuff is not going to be dealt with in one negotiation or overnight. But I think in this case in Oakland right now and in others, What teachers are engaged in is a a real education project, educating the community about some of the deep structural inequalities that really have to be addressed if we're going to to have the kind of education system in the 21st century that we need. You make a good case for it, but there are certainly some frustrated parents who wonder about the short-term harm done to kids who are being kept out of school versus, you know, the long-term positive impact potential of some of these common good proposals. How do, how do we balance those two things and, and weigh what's oh, you yeah. know, one it's harm on the other and longer term good on yeah. the other? 
Sure. It's, it's understandable that there might be some frustration. I should say that in most cases, um, you, uh, unions that undertake these um, initiatives do so in conjunction with parent groups. That's not to say every parent can support or understand this. Uh, our schools are very important in many ways in support for families and communities, including parents just need to know their kids are going to be in school and be safe. Um, however, and in these um, encounters, in these strikes, um, usually they don't last more than a week. Um, and the long-term benefits that can flow from addressing some of these issues, I think, could redound to the benefit of everybody uh, going forward. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Fascinating stuff. And glad to learn more a little bit about, about this issue and the history of it and, and where it's going. Thanks so much, Professor Joseph McCartan, Executive Director of the Kalmanovitz Initiative for Labor and the Working Poor at Georgetown in Washington, D.C. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.